I'm sorry. I know you're dying. I know it's dying down. Can we give him five more seconds real quick? Just come on. Like he did in the upper room. Come on, somebody. I love that. I love that. Well, hey, good morning. My name is Damien. I'm actually going to be teaching a little bit today, uh, so bear with me. But if you have your Bibles, a paper Bible, I would love it if you would grab that. Open that thing up to Mark chapter 9. We're going to be in Mark chapter 9. So you got New Testament, you got Matthew, then you got Mark, Mark chapter 9. If you do not have a paper Bible, we may have some. And if not, it's going to be on the giant screen behind me. So Mark chapter 9, we're going to be at the end of that starting in verse 43. I'm just kind of stalling until you get there because I know flipping through a paper Bible takes some time. Is everybody ready? If you're ready, say I'm ready. All right, if you're not ready, I'm too nervous to wait. So I'm going to start going. I'm going to jump in real quick. Verse 43 says this. If your hand causes you to sin cut it off it's better to enter eternal life with only one hand than to go into the unquenchable fires of hell with two hands welcome to purpose church this morning i hope you're feeling encouraged right don't worry it gets better if your foot causes you to sin cut it off it's better to enter eternal life with only one foot than to be thrown into hell with two feet and if your eye causes you to sin, guess what we're going to do, church? Gouge it out. Yep, just like everybody else. Um, it's better to enter the kingdom of God with only one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell. If you notice on the screen, verse 44, verse 46, looks like they're missing. They're not. This translation actually says the same thing in verse 48 three times. So verse 44, verse 46, and verse 48 all say this line right here. It says, where the maggots never die... Somebody say, ooh, and the fire never goes out, for everyone will be tested with fire. So I know that's a little intense, but we're going to talk about what that looks like for our lives this morning. Uh, so if you would, just bow your heads, close your eyes, let's pray together, and then we'll jump into the message this morning. God, thank you so much for your word. God, I thank you for the truth that is in it. God, I pray that this message not be scary and not be... Uh, intimidating or something that we should shy away from God but instead uh, your word always lets us be equally challenged and encouraged God and God that's what I'm praying for this morning that the scripture would challenge us but it, it would also encourage us help us hear from you this morning we love you we thank you it's in Jesus name we pray and everybody said amen amen okay you can go ahead and have a seat look at your neighbor but don't say nothing just look at them just look at them. It's uncomfortable, isn't it? Yes. All right. Well, like I said, my name is Damien. Um, I am excited to be uh, teaching and preaching today. If you've never heard me before, it's because this is my, my first time on a Sunday. Um, so I'm excited. I'm excited to be kicking off a brand new series. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little nervous. So can we do this exercise real quick uh, just to help calm my nerves? Can everybody just look at me real quick? And then just smile. Just create a friendly environment. Okay, stop. That made it worse. That made it so much worse. Okay, so like I said, we're kicking off a brand new series. The series is called Grave Diggers. And when Pastor Dustin gets this idea, he kind of, he looks at a calendar. He gets in the Word. He gets an idea for a series, right? And then we try to come up with a sermon in a sentence. Or if we can, a series in a sentence. 
And Pastor Dustin's very diligent about getting in the word. What's our church need to hear? And real quick, um, if I can do this, uh, I just want to honor our pastor, Pastor Dustin, and his family. Um, I've seen his life behind the scenes for the last 12 years. I've had a behind-the-scenes look. And I know how we can be. I know how, as people, we can be apprehensive about church. We can be apprehensive about church leaders. We, can, we see things about pastors and preachers all the time in the news that's not positive. But I can tell you with 100% integrity that Pastor Dustin and his family are the real deal. He is a man of high character. We're going to clap better in a second. So he is a man of high character, of integrity. He loves you. He loves our community. He cries for you all the time. We'll just be talking, you know, and he starts thinking about Purpose Church. He starts thinking about you. He starts crying. I'm like, bro, I'm just trying to eat my fried rice. Bro, it's lunchtime, but he loves you so much. His heart is so big for you and their family. And so if we can, can we just honor together Pastor Dustin real quick and his family? Thank you. So like I said, we're trying to get this series in a sentence down, if we can. And as we're looking through the scripture, as we're uh, reading Jesus' story, we come across something. It's a theme, and it's kind of oxymoronic. Somebody's halfway listening right now. They said, what'd you call me? No, oxymoron, right? Does anybody in here know what an oxymoron is? Okay, a couple of us, maybe. Okay, so what an oxymoron is, it's a figure of speech, and what it does, it takes two contradictory terms and puts them side by side. That doesn't mean a lot, but let me give you some examples. So some examples we got, almost exactly. Shouldn't make sense, right? Almost exactly. One of my favorites, a little big, right? I got a little big prayer for you this holiday season. Okay, you ready? I pray your pants always fit a little big. You know what I mean? Because you're going to be eating, right? Fit a little little big. Um, What about organized chaos? Most of us just call that Monday through Sunday, right? Um, I have to say it in this accent. I'm sorry. It's not really an accent. Jumbo shrimp. (laughs) My wife gets so embarrassed. We go out. Can I get that jumbo shrimp? She's like, why are you talking? I don't know. I don't know why I'm doing this. Um, This one's interesting. You ready? Climb down. Climb down. Shouldn't make fall down. Yeah. this one's interesting to me, too, because coming from, like, a corporate background, original copy. So do you have an original or do you have the copy? I copied the original, so it's a copy, right? So the thing about an oxymoron, an oxymoron should not make sense, but it do, right? But it does. An oxymoron makes sense. So as we're planning this series, we're looking at Jesus' life. Jesus is teaching an oxymoron. He teaches us an oxymoron. So we find that in Galatians 2.20. Galatians 2.20 says this. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. That's an oxymoron. Why? I've been talking about the the series in a sentence for three minutes. Now you want to hear it? Okay. You can't start living until you start dying. You can't start living until you start dying. We are no longer alive. Christ lives in us, right? So we can't start living fully until we start dying to ourselves. Does that make sense? So we're going to take the next four weeks. We're going to talk about what that looks like. Um, We're going to jump into 
what dying to ourselves and living looks like. So normally to kick off a message, Pastor Dustin will do this thing called an all skate. I'm going to be honest, I don't know what that means. Okay? I didn't grow up in a skating rink, so apparently that's when everybody can come out on the skating rink, right? Nobody's withheld from skating. They can all, so we're going to do that. I need everybody to skate or whatever. We're all going to kind of do this together, okay? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention some TV shows. I just want you to tell me how you feel about it. You can talk to me. You can raise your hand. Just don't yell at me. That's all I ask. The first one is The Office. How we feel about The Office? Okay. I saw some thumbs downs. I heard some. What about Friends? Okay. Um, it's spooky season coming up. What about Stranger Things? Okay. What about like the murder mystery serial killer documentaries? Y'all need Jesus. Okay. Y'all be here all four weeks. You need Jesus. Uh, what about like a sports theme like uh, All-American? Okay. Um, what about, uh, I'm going to show my true colors here. What about some anime? What about like Naruto? Let's go. One, what about One Piece? Monkey D. Luffy? No? Okay, just me. All right. Um, what about some of the old school? What about Days of Our Lives? Okay. Yeah, there we go. Okay, so we got that out of the way. I'm going to try to go a different leg of this conversation. How do we feel about reboots? About reboots? We liking them? We not liking them? Okay, so for example, what I mean is like we had, we had Boy Meets World. Now we got Girl Meets World. Right? We had iCarly. Now we have iCarly. But she's older. You know what I mean? Um, we have Fuller House. Or we had Full House, but now we have Fuller House. Right? How are we feeling about those? See, I think the nostalgia wears off quick, and I realize I don't care as much as I thought I did, right? And it, it wears off quick. To me, you cannot beat the OGs. Fuller House will never be better than Full House. Agree? Full House had this really cool dynamic, right? You had these three guys trying to raise all these girls. Uh, and then you had the uncles, right? You had Uncle Jesse. Uncle Jesse was cool. Leather jacket, rock star, hair slicked back, Italian, Right? Then you had Uncle Joey. Uncle Joey was a dork. You know what I mean? He was just goofy. Where's all my Uncle Jesse's? In? Like, you feel like you're an Uncle Jesse, right? Like, okay, Uncle Jesse would never raise his hand. He's too cool for that. You're a Joey. You're a Joey, okay? I'm sorry. Uh, but Joey had this thing he was famous for. It was this little, his little catchphrase, right? He had three words he would say, and he'd say them. He'd walk in on something. Somebody was talking about something that they maybe shouldn't have. Somebody's doing something they shouldn't be doing. And he had this phrase, and he had a little hand gesture that he would do with it. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Okay, we're going to do it on three. If this is your first time, we are not a cult. We did not plan this. I'm just going to try this out, hope, hope that it works. Okay, so he would say this thing. We're going to say it on three. You ready? One, two, three. Cut, Cut it out. That's it. Yes, so after reading this scripture, after looking at Mark 9, my message title today is that same Joey phrase, cut it out. And I promise that's the last time I'm going to say it like that, okay? Cut it out. So the Bible mentions over and over that we have a sin problem. From the very beginning, it was perfect, and then it wasn't, right? And there's a sin problem, sin entered the world. Romans 3.23 says it like this. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So all have sinned. And if you actually uh, translate the original text, that word all, it means all. Okay? 
all have sinned, right? And all fall short. Uh, 1 John 1.8 says it like this. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So if we say we have no sin, we're lying, which guess what? A sin, so you just double sin, right? We deceive ourselves, so the truth is not in us. So we all have a sin problem. I know that's a churchy kind of term, and sometimes we just chalk everything up to sin. Sometimes we think of sin as like this idea that's up in the clouds, and we don't really know how to describe it. So I'm going to try to pull that down from the clouds and try to give us some definitions of sin. So the first thing, if you actually look at, this isn't a joke, if you look at the original, whether it's Hebrew or Greek, the word sin actually means to miss the mark. That's what it means, to miss the mark. So Pastor Dustin shared this a long time ago. It's stuck with me ever since, but the mark is perfection, right? And perfection is Jesus. Jesus lived a perfect life. So that's the mark. That's what we're aiming for. So let's pretend that the mark is a bullseye, and it's right here. It's a target, right? And every day, you and I, we have these ideas. We have thoughts. We're shooting an arrow. We have actions that we take. We're shooting an arrow. We have behaviors. We're shooting an arrow. Our beliefs, we're shooting an arrow. We're trying to hit this mark. But every single time, we fall short. Every time. Does that make sense? So that's the overarching idea of sin. It's just that we're falling short. We're missing the mark. But what is sin tangibly? What does that mean? So a lot of times we can try to make this a gray area. I'm going to try to ungray it for you, okay? Sin is anything that goes against the word of God or the spirit of God. Anything that goes against the word of God or the spirit of God. So if it's in the Bible and it says don't do it and you do it, that's a sin, right? We, we understand that. That's easy. That's black and white, right? It says do not commit adultery. You commit adultery. That's a sin. It says do not murder. You murder. That's a sin, right? We understand that. The part that we met gray is this latter part. So if you have a relationship with Jesus, you have the spirit inside of you. That spirit's the Holy Spirit. That's a guide for you. If the Spirit tells you to do something or to not do something and you disobey the Spirit, that's a sin. Now, depending on how loud the Spirit is in your life is dependent on your proximity to Jesus. The closer you are to Jesus, the more in tune you are with the Spirit. The further you are away, the harder it is to hear that because the world is in the middle. Right? So anything that goes against the Word of Jesus, or the Word of God, or the Spirit of God. And I know last week we talked about a Jesus bus um, that was in the notes on the Instagram post, if you saw that. I'm going to take it a different direction this week. Um, I think of sin as a bus, and here's why. Because sin is going to take you further than you mean to go. It's going to cost you more than you mean to pay. And it's a lot easier to get into than it is to get out of. Okay, what I think about that, I think about you get on this bus. I'm just doing this for tonight. I'm just trying to have fun tonight. I'm just going to do this one night. But you look up, 10, 15, 20 stops later, you're still on the bus. You didn't mean to go this far, but you look up and you did. It's going to cost you more than you're willing to pay. That could be money. That could be time. That can be relationships. That can be a job. That can be all kinds of things. You did not mean to pay this much, but it's costing you a lot. And then it's a lot easier to get into than it is to get out of. It's easy to get on a bus that's stopped. It's very hard to get off a bus that's moving, right? So I think of sin like that on that bus. And the problem is, how many of us out here live uh, in the world like you live here? Okay. Yep. Everybody? Okay. I thought so. Back there. Okay. Yeah, you too. Okay. Just make sure. Um, 
the problem is we grow up in sin, right? You don't have to teach kids to sin. You've heard people say that before. I've got two girls. I love them. I've taught them a lot of stuff. I didn't have to teach them how to sin, right? And both of them, they sin differently. I've got a five-year-old and a two-year-old. My five-year-old, uh, she's got her own sins. She's perfect, but and she also sins. Um, she does this thing where she gets jealous a lot, and then, like, if anybody has something, she has to have it or whatever, like, she, you know, it's mine kind of thing. She also lies a lot. So the other night, thank God for fall weather. The other night, we're making s'mores, right? And I give her an appetizer, one little, the three-piece of the Hershey bar at the end, like, hey, hey, baby, you have this. I'm going to go start the fire, make some s'mores, whatever. Just eat this, save the rest for everybody else. Um, I come back, and half the chocolate bar is gone. And I say, hey, Till, do you know what happened with this chocolate? Mm-mm. <laughs> baby, did you eat the chocolate? Mm-mm. Hey, sweetie, will you open your mouth and show me what's in your mouth? Mm-mm. Okay. Okay. And then I got a two-year-old. She's got SKS. Anybody know what SKS is? Second kid syndrome. Mm-hmm. She mean, right? She's just mean. She will get an applesauce pouch. And then, of course, my five-year-old has to have one, too, because she's jealous, and the two-year-old got one. So, so she'll get this applesauce pouch. She'll make eye contact with my five-year-old. She'll walk up. She'll kick her, knock her down. She'll rip the applesauce out of her hand. She'll Allen Iverson step over her, and then she'll just stone cold Steve Austin these applesauces. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, I taught you the stone cold thing, but I didn't teach you anything else. Like you, you just picked up the sin on your own, right? And as a father, it hurts to say this, but it's true. They are growing up in a sinful world. They're growing up around sin, right? So Pastor Dustin says this phrase one way. I'm going to say it a little bit different for today's context. But healthy things grow, but so do weeds. Healthy things grow, but so do weeds. So you've noticed this plant behind me. Um, so this is actually a plant. And uh, I don't know if you can tell. It's got some weeds growing up around it. It's obviously got some, some problems. But... The plant's growing, right? We see that. But there's also weeds growing around, and I picked some of them in the first service, so that's why it's like this. But the plant's growing, but so are the weeds around it. And the problem is the weeds around it are stealing the nutrients and the energy that are set aside for the plant. Because the weeds are surrounding the plant, the plant can't grow at its full potential, right? So if we don't cut the sin, if we don't cut the weeds out of our lives, then they're going to continue to stifle our growth. The sin around us is actually affecting the growth within us, right? So again, today's title is Cut It Out. We're going to look at four steps to cutting sin out of our lives. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. Okay, you're ready. The first one is we have to see it. We have to see it. So not too long ago, um, I was working on our dryer. I am not a handyman, but YouTube is a blessing. I had to change a wheel in our dryer, took it apart, did it. It took me four days, but I did it. And I walk back in the kitchen after I do it, and I'm just like billionaire, you know, like I'm just feeling good. And my wife says, babe. And I was like, babe. And she said, why are you bleeding? 
And I was like, bleeding? Oh, my gosh, I'm bleeding. And as soon as I saw the cut, guess what happened? It started hurting immediately. I had been cut. It was dry, right? I had been hurt for a long time. But until I laid eyes on it, I didn't realize how it affected me. I was still hurting. I just wasn't aware of it, right? Sin does the same thing in our lives. It can take effect on us and us not know it until we see it. So you and I, we need to see it. Psalm 51.3 says it like this. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. What's that mean? It means he sees it. It's in front of him. He's aware of it, right? That's a huge step is being aware of it because when you're aware of it, you can fix it. You can work on it. The problem is we can't always see it on our own. Eventually, I would have realized I was bleeding, but it could have been too late, right? So we need somebody else to see it. Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous or sinful way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. So I think... See it is a decent point, but if you're taking notes, uh, I'm sorry for you perfectionists, go ahead and strike that out because I think a better point is for us to ask the Spirit to help me see it. Because you're not always going to see it on, a, on your own. Here's a problem. You and I can chalk up our sin as a personality trait or an idiosyncrasy, which is a fancy word for the things that you and I do, Right? So what I mean by that is, you, you've heard somebody like this before. Oh, I'm just a straight shooter. I'm just direct. I tell it like it is. No, you're mean. Okay? You can be direct and not be mean. Right? You've heard somebody else say, oh, I just, I like to stick to myself. I don't like to be around people. I don't really want to talk to anybody. I just kind of want to do my own thing. No, you got hurt before. And you're harboring that pain, and you won't let anybody else in. Our problems aren't our personality. Sometimes we just have to open up. We have to be aware of it, right? We have to see it. So how can you and I expect God to work in us if we're not willing to work on us, right? So let's go back to this plant, and uh, and this is the only corny part of this um, plant example. But let's pretend the plant could talk. At first, we're all surprised, like, oh, wow, a talking plant. But then we get used to it, and then we hear it out. What if this plant was like, you know, this is just where I'm at. I would love to get, I'd love to get some more nutrients, right? I would love to get more growth and be healthy, but I'm surrounded by these weeds. These weeds are taking all my growth, and there's nothing I can do about it. I mean, is that, are we, are we going to give the plant, like, oh, okay, you go ahead and do the best you can do? No. We know that we know what we need to do. We got to get the plant some help. We got to cut it out, right? We have to be able to make that plant be able to grow. So sin is deceiving. Sin can disguise itself as normalcy, as just part of who you are. But guess what? You weren't created for normalcy. You were created for a purpose. You were created for a lot more than just normalcy. So don't just chalk that up. We have to ask God. To help us see the sin. The next thing that we have to do is we have to separate from it. So we got to see it. Once we see it, we have to separate from it. 
And what that means is we have to cut it away. And in the scripture in Mark 9, Jesus is not literally telling people to dismember their bodies. He's not saying literally cut your hand off. He's not saying literally do this. Because if that was the case, we would all be torsos with heads and no eyes. And we would still sin in our hearts and in our minds. In the Bible, you have both descriptive and prescriptive. You have things describing and you have things to apply. And in the same way, Jesus has two types of teaching. He has literal teaching. And he also has parabolic teaching, which just means to teach in parables, to teach in stories. right? And in this, he's just using an extreme idea to get the point across. That no matter what you do, you've still, you still sinned. Right? It's still a part of you. You have to try to cut it away. Not literally, but what Jesus is actually saying. He's saying it's better if you face a little bit of pain or a lot of pain now and live eternity in heaven versus ignoring the pain now and spending eternity in hell. If you cut your hand off, would it hurt? Yeah. But it's better to do that and experience that pain and live in eternity versus the opposite. So now we're going to go to another example with the plant. And the thing about sin is we have different sins in our life, right? Would you agree? Like all of us struggle with something. And some of them are going to be deeply rooted. Some of them are not. So, for example, what I mean by that is let's say that you live in an apartment and your roommates cause you to stump. They're always partying. They're always doing things that you don't want to be a part of, right? That's not deeply rooted in your heart. It's going to hurt a little bit. You're going to have to move away from your friends. You're going to have to get a new place, right? But that's kind of like, that's just plucking some weeds around you. You know what I mean? That's just taking those out and kind of getting rid of those around you. It's going to affect you a little bit, but it doesn't really hurt. It's just a process, right? But then, let's say that we have some things that we've been struggling with. Let's say that you've been addicted to something for 10 years and now you're going to try to cut it out that's a bigger deal let's say that you've been in an abusive relationship or you've been an abuser for 10 years and you've got to stop you've got to cut it out that's a big deal that's a little bit more deeply woven right so what that looks like is we've got this guy right here I googled earlier how to cut a plant um, so we've got this right here and So if, if this plant, not a trick question, if this plant had pain receptors, would that hurt? Yes. Did I kill the plant? No. What did I do? I cut off the part that's not bearing fruit. I cut off the part that's killing it so that nutrients, so growth could happen in the part that can actually bear fruit. It's a process. It hurts, but it's a process. And I don't know what your story is. I don't know what your sin is. I don't know what it is that you need to cut away. But I know there's something. And I know it's not going to be easy. I know it's going to be hard. I know it's going to hurt. But I believe that God does not waste that hurt. I believe it's going to be part of your testimony. I believe it's going to be part of your story. But here's what I know. It cannot be part of your story if you're still living in it. You have to separate yourself from it. And then the next thing you have to do is you have to surround yourself with godly growth. Surround yourself with godly growth. Not just growth. You can find all kinds of growth, but it needs to be godly growth. 
So this isn't going to be on the screen. Um, I do think it's important. Give, having godly growth around you does three things. And you can write these down if you want. The first one is it creates accountability. Having godly growth around you creates accountability. I have a mentor and a friend that's poured into my life a lot. Um, we're, we're very close, and we talk about a lot of things. So if you're watching Justin Bieber, I appreciate I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but I do have a mentor that's poured into my life a lot. And a few years ago, we were talking, and I said, I have all these dreams. I have all these goals. I have uh, daily declarations that when I wake up, I, I want to say these. I want to accomplish all these things, but I cannot stay disciplined. I'll get started. I'll be excited for three or four weeks, and then it dies off. And he looked at me and said, you do not have a discipline problem. You have an accountability problem. You have nobody keeping you accountable. That's why people that go to the gym, they have a gym buddy, right, because it holds you accountable. You're not always going to feel like it, but you need accountability. Can I give you a real example of accountability in my life? You're going to – can I? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'll just make sure. Um, you're going to think this is – Silly, but it's true. Some great accountability in my life is a Purpose Church decal on the back of my car. Dead serious. Why? I'm not the kind of person that gets road rage. I don't do that. Um, the only time I will ever get road rage is if I'm going somewhere. And every now and then, every now and then, I'll have someone cut me off. They'll pull out in front of me or whatever. What I want to do is I want to speed up. I want to pull around them. I want to get in front of them, hit them with a little boot, a little brake check, you know. But I can't. I can't even honk because I have a Purpose Church decal in the back of my car. And what that means is they're going to look at that and say, oh, that's, that's how Purpose Church people act. But if they don't even believe in Jesus, if they don't go to church at all, they say, that's how Christians act. That's the Jesus they serve. They just act like that. Holds me accountable. It's a sticker, y'all. But it holds me accountable. That's what accountability does in your life. And that's what having godly growth does. It gives you accountability. Something else that it does, it gives you people to build you up. People to build you up. How many of you out here just honestly hour are really good at tearing yourself down? Right? Having godly growth around you gives you people to build you up. Everyone likes to be encouraged. Not necessarily complimented but encouraged to hear, hey, you're not a failure. Hey, you're not messing up. Hey, you're doing a good job. Hey, you're doing okay. Hey, everything's going to be fine. You're doing great. Everyone likes to hear that encouragement. When you surround yourself with godly growth, you get that. And I don't know, I'm not going to try to plug a, purpose, a bunch of Purpose Church stuff, but that's exactly what I'm going to do. Um, maybe that's you joining next, finding your place, finding your people, finding your purpose. Right, getting around a team, a group of people, getting plugged into the church. Uh, maybe that's joining a crew, and a crew is what we call our small groups, but maybe you've tried a small group, a crew before, and you didn't like it. Go to another one. We're not going to be offended. We want you to grow around people that you like, that love you, that will pour into you and build you up. But not only that, they will also, having godly growth will give you people to hold you up. So they'll build you up, but they'll also hold you up. Because we will fall. We will fail. We will mess up. Right? This is a journey. But having people that are going to hold you up is very important. James 5.16 says it like this. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another 
that you may be healed. That's community. That's what community looks like. Talking to one another, pouring out on one another, just having each other encourage you and pray for you. And you get that in a community. So I lied and said that something was the only corny thing. This is also a little corny, but it works. When you surround yourself with godly growth, this is what it does. This is miracle grow, if you can't, right? This is miracle grow. It's the new kind. It's the shaken feed, not a sponsored ad. But this is miracle grow. And when you surround yourself with godly growth, what happens is they start to hold you accountable a little bit, right? So what's that going to do? going to add a little growth, right? It's going to make a little, little good growth. And then they start to kind of build you up. They start to encourage you. You get starting a new job next week, and they text you or call you the night before, hey, praying for you, love you, excited for you, right? What's that going to do? It's going to help you. This plant's fixing to be juiced. <laughs> you got people praying for you. You got people holding you up, right? You feel like you're falling, but they're there to catch you and hold you up, right? All right, you've had enough. That's going to help you grow, right? But let me, let me ask you something. Is this plant going to shoot up to 10 feet tomorrow? It's a process. It takes time. That's why godly growth is important because it happens over time. It's not a fix it and forget it deal. And then the last thing that we need to do, so we need to see it. We need to separate from it. We need to surround ourselves. We need to stand firm. We need to stand firm. Like I said, this isn't a fix it and forget it. You don't water a plant once and then expect it to grow, right? It takes time. Mark 9, at the very end of that uh, verse 49, it says, you will be tested with fire. You will be. Some other versions say seasoned, but that word tested right there, it means something to us. All right, we're going to be tested with fire. But there's also truth in the end of Psalms that we read earlier. It says, and lead me in the way everlasting. So we, we will be tested, but we also need to be guided, right? We can't do it alone. We can't withstand the test on our own. We'll be tested, but we also need to be guided. So I don't know if you know what this is. This is called a plant support. So typically they are put in plants to support them. They're also known as guide rods. So what this does, the purpose of this is you put it in the plant, you put it right near the, the trunk of the plant, and then you kind of fixate the plant around it. And what that does, it allows the plant to grow up the way it's intended. Because what happens is if a plant deviates, if a plant goes off to the side or goes too far, it wastes a lot of energy trying to get the nutrients out throughout the plant. The best way, plants grow up towards the sun, right? The sun, you know what I'm saying? Plants grow up towards the sun. So a guide rod allows that plant to grow in the way that's best intended for it. It's going to be most beneficial for the plant, but it's also most beneficial for the people around the plant. They're getting better fruit. They're getting more shade. They are getting the blessings from the plant because it's growing up in the way that's intended. You and I need a guide rod, right? And can I be honest with you, Purpose Church? Purpose Church is not your guide rod. Pastor Dustin is not your guide rod. Your crew leader, not your guide rod. Your community, 
not your God rock. Your family, not your God rock. Your job, not your God rock. Your children, not your God rock. Good things, but not your God rock. I can be a spiritual guide, but I'm not your guide rod. The only person worthy of being a guide rod is the only person who has ever lived on earth, lived a perfect life, died, went to the cross, died, resurrected, and is now at the right hand of God. The only person that can guide you through this life is the only person who is the, the victor of this life, right? The other things are good, great foundations, but guess what? People are going to disappoint you. They may not even intend to, but they will, okay? Jesus will never disappoint you. Jesus is the foundation that when a storm comes, it's steady. It's not shaking. Your friends are going to love you, but they may shake, right? Jesus will never let you go unguided. He is your guide rod. He loves you. He believes in you. He's got a purpose for you, and he wants you to know that. And I want you to know that. So Purpose Church, if we believe that this morning, can we stand to our feet? Can we give Jesus just five seconds of praise this morning? Thank him for guiding us in that way. So at this time, I want to do, I want to do a time of invitation. And I want to do two different kinds of invitation. So if you don't mind, all across the room, just close your eyes, bow your head. I'm going to do two types of invitation right now. The first one is, if you don't have that guide rod, that's the most important decision of your life. If you feel right now that something's tugging on your heart, you feel some kind of emotion, I pray you know that that's not emotional manipulation. That is God. That is the Spirit. He wants a relationship you are not too far gone. You're not too far on the bus. He wants a relationship with you. So if you're in here and you want that relationship with Jesus, you've never accepted Jesus before, as you're sitting there with your eyes closed, I just want you to pray something like this. It doesn't have to be the words exactly, but something close, uh, just the heart behind it. Pray something like this. Jesus, I realize that I'm a sinner. I realize that I have fallen short from your mark I realize that I've messed up but Jesus I also realize that you lived a perfect life that you came to earth you lived a perfect life you went to the cross you died but you came back three days later and you did that for me you did that so I would be freed from my sins Jesus, I, I need you to guide me. I want to turn away from my sin. And I want to run to you, Jesus. Amen. If you're in there, eyes closed, still heads bowed. If you're in this room and you just prayed something like that or you feel like you are accepting a relationship with Jesus in this room, I'm going to ask you to do something. It's a little bold, um, but nothing more than that. Uh, if you're in here and you just prayed a prayer or something like that, could you just raise your hand for me? Just raise your hand and hold it up. Awesome. A few more seconds, anybody else? Awesome. Well, Pastor Dustin will come up here in a second and he will tell you what to do. 
you just made a very, very important decision, and we do not want to let you walk out of here without talking to someone or getting some resources. So thank you for your boldness. The other invitation I want to offer is if you're in here and you have that relationship with Jesus, you've already established that relationship, but you need prayer. You need prayer to help you see the sin in your life. You know it's there, but you need help to see it. Or you need prayer to separate from it. You know that it's going to hurt. And you just want some encouragement on that journey. You need prayer for uh, just surrounding yourself with godly growth and what that looks like. Or if sometimes you default to your own foundations and your own guidance and you, you want to stand firm and stand firm in Christ alone. If you want prayer for those things, just all across the room, if you don't mind just raising your hand, I'd love to pray for you. Awesome hands everywhere. Love that. All right, let's pray one time. Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for your truth. I pray that we be equally challenged and encouraged from this message, God. I pray that you help us. I pray that you help us see the sin in our life. God, let us not chalk it up to normalcy because you created us for more. Help us separate from it. I know it's going to hurt, God, but God, just give us boldness and strength and courage during that time. God, surround us with people that love us, that hold us accountable, that build us up, and that hold us up, God. And God, allow us to stand firm on you. We push everything else aside, God, and we're going to stand firm on you and you alone. We love you, Jesus. We thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, come on. Can we thank Jesus for that word today? <clears throat> And I, I would love to just honestly take a second. If we just let's not let's not close down shop just yet. So we got some people on either side of the platform here today. Maybe you just raised your hand and said, "Hey, I need some prayer." Uh, I'm going to ask everybody in the room right now again. Just bow your heads and close your eyes. If that's you. We want to give you an opportunity to pair your faith with some people that are here to pray with you, pray for you. Um, and so on either side of the platform, uh, if you need prayer today and you don't want to walk out of here not. Man, carrying it on your own, like you want to you want to share that with somebody, I'm going to ask you to move out of your seat right now. Just got some people that would love to pray with you, pray for you. And uh, so I'm going to give you just a second to do that. Maybe you're here and you just prayed to receive Jesus. I saw a couple hands go up in the air. First of all, what we love is we're celebrating that because you've made the best decision you've ever made in your life, saying yes to a relationship with Christ. And what we want to do today is let you know that we got some people that want to walk through this thing with you and uh, do life with you. And so I'm going to encourage you. Maybe you're watching online and you just received Jesus today. Once you let us know, that would be awesome. If you want to send us a direct message or whatever, we'd love to follow up with you there. But if you're in this room and you just raised your hand, I'm going to encourage you also to let somebody on either side of this platform know. We don't just count hands that go up in the air. We want to actually walk this thing out with you. Know your name. Know your story. How can we be there? We'd love to give you a Bible. love to give you a a new believer's God, which is like, oh, okay, what do I do now? We have a lot of stuff we can help answer uh, in your life. So if you just raise your hand, you can scan the QR code on the screen. You can scan that QR code that's literally right there uh, in your seat in front of you, and you can let us know that. That would be awesome. I love it, Purpose Church. Can we lift our heads? Can we put our hands together? Can we thank God for everything that he's done today?